Welcome to Total Health Transformation Podcast, hosted by Dr. Danny Scarhill. Dr. Danny is a doctor of chiropractic, an author, speaker, and trainer. And on the THT Podcast, he interviews other health experts to glean further insights that will help you achieve total health transformation. Welcome to the Total Health Transformation Podcast. My name is Dr. Danny Scarhill, the founder of dannyscarhill.com, the author of Total Health Transformation, the proven system to unlock limitless energy, motivation, and health, and the creator of the Total Health Transformation programs. Let's get straight into it on this episode. I'm going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to go to a radio show where I was interviewed recently. We talked about all things health, including meditation, water intake, and other cool things like that. Enjoy. So welcome to another episode of Coffee with the Chiropractor. It's your host, Patrick Hogg, and we are going to stay in Sussex today. So we've got a very special guest. Uh, he is another WEOC student, so he graduated from the Welsh Institute of Chiropractic. Uh, he graduated in 2006. He's currently working in Crawley in Sussex. He's got his practice down there. There's him and another associate working in their practice. I've, I've taken a little look at their website and actually they've been, they've been voted one of the best, one of the best practices in Sussex for chiropractic care. And he's currently just building his new brand, which is the Total Health Transformation brand, uh, really teaching his community how to actually take control of their health and not just basically work in a very allopathic model that he's really, he's looking at it holistically, thinking, moving, and feeling well. And it is our very special guest, Danny Skull. So if you can give us a little bit more, oh, I've just missed one thing as well. This is something really cool about Danny is he's not just a chiropractor, he loves to DJ as well. So he, again, he's, he's actually living a holistic life. He's actually doing stuff. He's got some purpose and stuff that he likes to enjoy as well. So I'm sure he'll tell us a little bit more about some of these things that he loves to do as well. Thanks for having me on the show, Patrick. Appreciate that. Um, so just a little bit more about myself then. I've been in the healing arts now for over two decades. Um, chiropractor for 14, going on 15 years. Uh, before <coughs> that, I did um, osteopathy for four years um, before then eventually moving over to chiropractic. So I did four years osteopathy, followed by five years chiropractic training. So nine years before I adjusted my first paying chiropractic client. Wow. Um, so the, I'm also the author, as, as you mentioned before, the author of the book Total Health Transformation, The Proven System to Unlock Limitless Energy, Motivation and Health, and also the creator of the Total Health Transformation Programs. Yeah, so I've, I've been in the healing arts for quite some time now, and it's been a really interesting journey. And you've got to take your hats off for someone like this, by the way, guys, because to go and spend four years at university to do a career and then jump straight back into university again and do another five years, because actually it's really interesting. Um, oh, Dijonette, Dijonette, he did the same thing. Uh, so Dijarnet was the founding chiropractor of SOT and he originally started as an osteopath and he then went back to chiropractic school. And now there is a, there's a whole foundational uh, protocol within chiropractic that like thousands of docs across the world use today. Uh, and that would have only been made possible by studying both fields, by studying both fields and actually looking at the crossover between the two, which nowadays there's an awful lot of crossover, which 
obviously a lot of patients can get very, very, very confused about. Yeah, it's true that, yeah. Like, because I've, I often joke to uh, clients and friends that I've taken the best out of both worlds and I often call myself either uh, an osteopractor or a chiropath. You know, just, just, uh, just joking, obviously, but I've taken the best bits out of both. Yeah, so it, it's, there are some similarities. There's also obviously some distinct differences. Yeah, so cool. Maybe you could just, just for our listeners, um, obviously for chiropractors that are only chiropractors and osteopaths that are only osteopaths, it can sometimes get a little bit difficult to actually try and explain this to your patients. But maybe you could just, for our listeners, just describe what some of the main differences are from your experience. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because it's all from our own experience, isn't it? You know, everyone has different experience. Uh, So in my experience, a chiropractor is a doctor of the nervous system and the nervous system controls everything starting off in your brain, doesn't it? And all the messages run down the spinal cord to every organ and tissue. So we focus primarily on the nervous system as chiropractors, as you well know, Patrick. So um, the, the, so that's a one big distinction because the history books, although to be quite honest with it, I don't remember hearing a lot about, the, uh, about this when I was in osteopathic college. The, the, the differences are that they're all about improving the blood flow around the body. So the body heals itself. They, they use the phrase, the artery is king. Um, and just, you know, the blood vessels being the most important thing. But that didn't really make a lot of sense to me once I became a chiropractor because guess what controls the, the blood system? It's obviously your nervous system, isn't it? So distinctions in philosophy, pretty big one. Um, the, uh, for me, chiropractic is a lot more holistic and proactive, meaning in my experience as a chiropractic client versus an osteopathic client and a student in both colleges. Chiropractic is more about, in my experience again, uh, the, the client gets to a point where they're feeling well, the, the doctor is happy with their progress, they're functioning well, and then they go on to a wellness or a maintenance program to prevent the problem coming back and also make their health, take their health from where it is now to where they would absolutely love it to be. Whereas in my experience, osteopathy, it's like they get to a point where you're feeling good and then it's bye-bye, give us a call when you feel you need us. And to me, that's crazy because every time there's a new episode, as, as we both well know, more damage is happening in the body. Um, but it's one of the other distinctions, uh, well, a couple of other distinctions. In my experience, again, because I can't speak for everybody in both professions, um, chiropractors will often do quite a bit more rehab right. uh, in terms of giving more exercises to mm-hmm. stretch and strengthen. That's just my experience in the mm-hmm. distinctions between the two. Yeah, I know, I know, I know for sure that the therapy sessions can can vary quite drastically between chiropractic and osteopathy. And I, my my experience with chiropractic, there's a much more robust care plan. It's robust. So what I basically mean is, there's a there, like Danny said, there's a, a much bigger plan and potentially longer. Because what we know about physiology is it does take time. That's the one thing that we can't change about people's bodies is that it does take time to heal. And like I had the conversation with someone very recently about a broken bone, and a bone is actually ironically one of the quickest tissues in the body to actually heal because it's got a direct blood supply, whereas we've got a lot of other tissues, say, for example, like a disc that doesn't, 
And we know from the physiology textbooks, they can take anywhere up to a year to two years to properly stabilize and heal. And so if you're going, pain's gone, see you later, and that's not stable, six months down the line, that unstable, it's like a car, you kind of like, if the head gasket or a pipe goes, you just patch it up and just like, see you later. And you're just going to wait for that, that, that patch to fall off again. So that's really interesting. I, I really like that. I, I did a little, personally, I found it really interesting, osteopathy, the differences between osteopathy and chiropractic. So I actually read one of the original philosophy books for osteopathy to see what the difference was. And the, the word that I saw come up a lot was the word lesion. Yeah. Lesion yeah. came up and, and, and osteopaths look at, lesions being here versus here and here and the removal of lesions and like you say to improve blood flow or lymphatic flow and they do talk about the nerve system but it's not their primary focus it's not that yeah true focus. absolutely cool yeah. that, that was really nice to get that little highlight uh, and and so people maybe can dis, uh, distinguish a little bit better between the two so look obviously uh, being that you've been in the healing arts for such a long time now uh, maybe you can uh, tell the listeners a little bit of what you do to look after yourself personally. Yeah, that's a great question. And because everyone does things differently to each other, don't they? But, you know, there's overlap, of course. Uh, so in my book, I talk about three things, eat, move and think on purpose. And that purpose, which I touched on a little bit earlier, is to take your health from where it is now to where you'd absolutely love it to be because Everyone wants more health, more energy, and more happiness in their lives, don't they? I'm, I'm yet, yet to meet anyone that doesn't. So those three things, eat, move, and think on purpose. So um, eating well is obviously crucial. Like, and moving well is, is super important. And then thinking well. I, I remember, I think it might have been John Himwood, uh, a quite famous chiropractor over the years. I think uh, maybe in him, or certainly I heard it from him, he said the most important adjustment is the adjustment that is north of the atlas. <laughs> so it's an, an emotional adjustment, you know. So in terms of eating, moving and thinking on purpose, like just this morning I got up, first thing I did was meditated for 20 minutes and then I relaxed for 10 minutes after meditation to help that uh, benefit me the most. And I got dressed, uh, went downstairs, I did... Every day I'll do 30 to 60 minutes of exercise. I prefer to do it in the morning, but that's because it works for me. Sets you up nicely for the rest of the day uh, versus wait until the evening. You know, it just works so much better for me personally as well as physiologically. It makes a lot of changes as well. Uh, straight after my exercise, just before we jumped on this call, actually, I um, had a smoothie. Um, which I make myself and it differs each day but today the one I chose was banana uh, hemp milk hemp milk has got loads of omega-3s and other good stuff in mm. um, so banana um, hemp milk um, avocado nectarine and yeah that was it today so nice. yeah and that was beautiful uh, but it differs each day some days it's a green smoothie you know uh, so I've kind of covered briefly some of the things that I do to help myself eat well, move well, think well, or should I say eat, move and think on purpose. It's very interesting. Me and Danny have a very similar morning routine because <laughs> it's exactly how I get up every single day. Cause, um, I, it, Joe Dispenza talks about this a lot in his, in his book and there's no right or wrong time to do your meditation. Uh, but I had this conversation with Dr. Tom Waller. Uh, oh, yeah. that if you think about your, if you think about your day as, uh, like 
each each part of your day is like a book each part of your day is like a book and then you've got your bookends on the end and like how you start and finish your story and he said that really like when you're coming out of sleep when you're coming out of sleep that's where you're break like that's the first thing you're going to think of like what are you going to set your story up for so then you have maybe you have all those horrors and dramas and whatever in the middle and then you can set it up to finish on that nice on that nice end as well so he he talked about the beginning and the end and joe dispenza talks about this a lot is that those brain waves are most susceptible at certain points in the day, especially when you're coming in and out of sleep. So very interesting. It's very interesting that naturally you've gravitated to that point in the day to actually do your meditation and exercise as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the meditation I do, I've done for just over 10 years now, uh, TM, Transcendental Meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do that twice a day. And um, the, the reason why so many people who do meditate do it twice a day, every day, that's obviously the ideal, is because during the night when you're sleeping, a lot of stress is coming out of the body and the mind, isn't it? There's a lot of psychological and physiological repair happening. So there's a lot of stuff coming up. So then we meditate first thing in the morning or as, as close to uh, you know when you get up as possible. That's going to help to... unstress so let go of the stress let go of the stress that's built up over the night and then of course you know we go through our day don't we and we accumulate stress and we have physical chemical and emotional stresses so Mm -hmm. then at the end of the day we meditate to let go of the stress we've accumulated during the day that's why twice a day is so important and uh, if i miss meditation i really know about it you know so i i do my very best to not miss it Hmm. Do, you, do you when you do your meditation do you do it with the because uh, obviously uh, this is now something very interesting to me because now obviously i know that you're a, a trance dj how do you set up how do you set up your environment for meditation because this is something that can be really difficult like obviously there's a lot of distraction and the brain the brain is constantly thinking about the next thing uh so how do you how do you set up your meditation um it's a great question that so um when i meditate in, in, in my house, I have, there's a room that feels best for meditation. Generally, you'll find somewhere that feels best. Uh, so one of the, the spare bedrooms um, is where I really resonate with meditating. Uh, I know my girlfriend, she meditates outside, if, presuming it's not, assuming it's not raining or something. She'll meditate in the back garden in her little spot. So everyone has their own little area where they would like to do it. So for me, it's one of the spare bedrooms. It just has that 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 perfect feeling for me. Um, so phone on on silent or airplane mode or whatever. So there's no uh, disturbance at all. My meditation lasts twenty minutes, and then there's ten minutes rest. So I'll set in a very very quiet alarm for the very end at thirty minutes, but I won't set an alarm for the 20 minutes when my meditation is going to end, I'll just have a quick glance at a clock or the phone. Say, have I done 20 minutes? Oh no, I've got another three or four minutes left. So then I'll do that. So I don't get jars out of my meditation. That is really important. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how I set myself up. I mean, the reality is though, you can do it anywhere. Certainly the style of meditation that I do, you can do it anywhere. One of my favorite places, which is a great, a use of my time to do it is if I'm traveling on a train to London or somewhere else. Mm. I've got headphones in, but I'm not playing music, so it looks too 
passers-by that I'm listening to some music or something, but I'm not actually listening to anything. And then before I know it, my 45-minute journey into London is gone pretty much because I've meditated in a crowded train, a noisy train, you know what I mean? It is, it, it's, it's possible. You just need to let go of the surroundings, really. It's about focus. Exactly. It's focus. Like most uh, things, they, they talk about in meditation an anchor, an anchor. So most of the time the anchor is something like your breath or, you know, a specific thought. But yeah, they talk about an anchor so that if you are distracted by the external, then you just come back to your anchor so that you know that you're always in the present. Yeah, for sure. Really, really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So look, I, I'd love to learn a little bit more about uh, your book. They say the, what was the title of the book one more time? Total Health Transformation. Total Health Transformation. So obviously you're talking, so we've, we've spoke about the mindful part. So the think well, and then you've obviously got your move well and eat well. So maybe you can just, uh, maybe just describe a little bit more about that as well. Yeah, sure. So the eating well bread obviously takes care of what you're eating and what you're drinking. The one thing I talk about all the time, as I'm sure you do with your clients, Patrick, uh, drinking lots of water. Water is so important. Yeah, not coffee. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know, I know uh, lots of people do drink coffee. I, I, I don't drink coffee at all. I want coffee and I just feel wired for the whole day. You know, like kind of on edge. It doesn't, it doesn't work for me. You, start, uh, you feel like you've just, you've just finished your trance set. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you, euphoria, but anxious as well, you know. That, that's what coffee does I to do, me. I was like going to say, I do know a lot of people that are like that. I do know a lot of people like that. Yeah, so I much prefer to just drink water. So water is so important. Most people are chronically dehydrated, aren't they? And, you know, as we know, yeah, most people don't know, you know, the general public. Um, the, the, most of the human body is supposed to be water. So if we're not drinking as much as we should do, and most people incorrectly, which isn't their fault because it's what's been programmed for generations. I drink my two liters of water a day. Well, great. Well, that's nowhere near enough. You know, I always say with, with my clients in, uh, when they come to the health induction class, how much water do you drink and how much are we supposed to drink? You know, so, and, and one of the analogies I give or the stories I talk about is if you were to just lie in bed for 24 hours doing nothing, absolutely nothing. And by show of hands, how many of you have done that recently? Most people don't, do they? So 24 hours doing nothing in your bed, you, you're going to use over two liters of water by your internal physiology, you know, to keep everything going, like two to two and a half liters of water a day. So if you're, if you're thinking you're doing a great thing, which is more than most, like, you know, drinking two liters of water a day, you're waking up and ending every day dehydrated. And that cycle just goes down, 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 and, down, down. and down. It's really interesting you should say that because it's the same as the 10,000 steps. The 10,000 yeah. steps was, was a guideline that was created ages ago and they just they just took like a random guy and looked at, looked at how it's the same as the calorific intake the calorie yeah. of intake. Like, these are all guidelines these are like and these are very loose you're five a day again very loose and and a lot of these guidelines were set there because they just wanted people to do the absolute minimum and the thing is right is when you set when you set a target so low and people don't even achieve that like you're basically setting up a whole country to fail in health. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's, that's another, another conversation in itself, isn't it? That one, 
Um, so yeah, the I mean the the five a day. That's a bit of a joke because we actually need that's an absolute minimum, isn't it? It's a bare minimum. Okay. Making all these things on the vitamins, the RDA. You know the oh, you can't possibly take. You know, I often hear, as, as I'm sure you do yourself in your chiropractic practice. Oh, can I overdose on vitamin C? Well, you'd have to take an awful lot of it too because it's water soluble. So you pass it out in water, sweat when you breathe, and all that kind of thing. Um, so. Nobody, to my knowledge, in the history of nutritional supplements have ever been killed by supplements, mm. you know? Mm. When you compare that to things like medications and uh, surgeries and oh, properly prescribed medications, by the way, you mm -hmm. know, that's, that's a different story entirely. So mm. um, went off on a bit of a tangent there. I can't even remember what your question was, mate, to be honest. That's absolutely <laughs> fine. It was just a little bit more about your book. I think we've I think we've covered uh, your your water. So we we spoke yeah. about the think well. I think you've started to just go into the water part, uh, and then I think you were going to talk about the eat eat and uh, eat and move well. Yeah. Okay, cool. So um, my philosophy is not necessarily like you know you've got to be vegan or you've got to be uh, paleo or whatever it is. It's it's basically whatever works for you. You know, there are days when I have, when I don't eat any meat at all. So I have some, some vegan days or some 100% plant-based days. And there's other days when I'll eat meat. Um, because, you know, most of us have been brought up, in, certainly in, in, in the UK, you know, the kind of meat and two veg kind of thing. You, 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 you have some meat, you have some veg on your plate at dinner time, you know. So, By the um, way, potatoes don't count as veg. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. So obviously there's lots of other vegetables or there certainly should be uh, on your plate as well. That's another thing where you can, with things like soups and smoothies, that's another way of so simply getting in extra nutrition. And those of you listeners who've got kids, it's an easy way of tricking kids uh, into eating more fruit and veg smoothies soups and all that kind of thing dead easy super my, simple my mum yeah. used to do this to me like her way her way of hiding it she used to make uh she used to make a whole whole meal pizza dough and then okay. she used she used to take all of the tomatoes the peppers the mushrooms the garlic literally everything and blizz it and try and put as much of the sauce on the top oh, <laughs> so that she would right. she would hide vegetables in in pizza <laughs> And then, she would, and then she put more vegetables on top. So she, yeah, she was very crafty, my mum. She used to do those kinds of things to me as a kid all the time. Same as spaghetti bolognese. Honest to God, I've never seen someone put so many different vegetables in a spaghetti bolognese than what my mum used to do. It's a great idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I'm not like uh, rigidly... It's, it's my, my kind of recommendations to both chiropractic clients and coaching clients. It's not rigid... It's like, if you want to be plant-based, then great, do that. Then this is what you want to do, ABC. Mm -hmm. If you want to do paleo, then this is what the best recommendations for that could be. So um, whenever I eat meat, it's, it, ideally, if I'm sourcing it myself, it's going to be, it's going to be free range, organic, um, grass-fed and all that kind of thing as much as I possibly can. It's, it, it can be difficult if you go out somewhere because you, obviously you're not sourcing the food. Um, but yeah, so... Eat well, move well, think well, and you will be well, essentially. So true, right? So true. So yeah. true. And it's really nice. It's really nice to obviously uh, hear someone else back up because I, I personally am vegan. 
I am personally vegan, uh, and I have been for for three years. And I am in the same opinion. I have no problem with people eating meat so long as they so long as they understand what it is that they're putting in. And it's like you just said, uh, organic and free range. And it's 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 interesting actually if they um, if they added uh, flaxseed or linseed to a uh, cattle's diet, they would completely omit the omega three deficiency in in our country, which I found really really interesting, uh, because actually where the cattle and and they get their omega three is actually from the grass and the uh, uh, but the majority of cattle now though is is grain fed, which is why we're seeing that huge imbalance and why we're seeing people's eleven. There's a, there's a, there's a hormone, well, a fat that breaks down and it turns into arachidonic acid. And it's one of the reasons why we see such a high level of inflammation in, in, uh, in society nowadays. So it's, again, it's really interesting to hear someone else, someone else say it. Yeah, so true, isn't it? You know, if, if, if cows and other, and other cattle were actually, um, eating what they're supposed to eat, then the meat that people eat would contain omega-3. But as you, as you say, um, they don't. They're fed on grain, so it, it turns into very all sorts of harmful things. Very, very, very. When you know, people say, "Oh, what, what, why, why is a why is a cow getting fed grain?" The answer is simple: if a cow is heavier it's going to be sold for more money. So um, how do you make a person, a human being, overweight? Grain is a big factor, which is a huge thing in the Western diet. Um, sadly, I don't see that changing much presently. Hopefully it will in the future. Uh, but it's still, you know, think about it like people get up in the morning. Most people tend to have some cereal with milk. Dairy products is another Another um, matter entirely, which I'm sure you can fully appreciate being a vegan, Patrick. Um, so in, in, in the Western diet, there's just so much grain, there's just so much dairy, and they both carry with them an awful lot of potential problems for people. Ironically, if people don't eat cereal, they tend to eat something like toast or croissants or some sort of like bread or Danish or, and like you say, it's like, you know, cereals are basically grains, sugar, and then we stick dairy on top. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's okay. Like, it, look, if you, if so long as you're aware that you're doing those things, you, you can't blame anyone. You can't blame anyone, obviously, but ourselves. But, um, you know, the, the, the problem is not the person doing it, it's the lack of education and what's available in the supermarkets and what's Correct. been deemed as okay. Uh, you know, if you kind of look at the, if you look at the volume of sugar that's in most cereals, it's equivalent to drinking like a glass of Coke. And, and, and most people would not drink Coke for breakfast. Yeah, true story. Yeah, they still feed this. Yeah, it is, uh, there was a really interesting uh, advert that was done in the States not that long ago. And it was, you know, it was, sh- it was showing a parent like spreading just pure sugar onto, onto the kid's sandwich. And it was basically representing the amount of sugar that was in stuff like peanut butter and jam. And then they were, they were basically pouring the cereal out the cereal. It was just pure sugar. And, it, and, and when they equated it and they showed you the volumes of sugar, I think in America, the average person consumes something like 50 kilograms of sugar a year. It's just, it's just extortionate. It's crazy. So it's a size of a person. Absolutely. 
That reminds me of a uh, quite it must be quite old now. A, a, a Jamie Oliver was on TED Talks years and mm-hmm. years ago, mm-hmm. and he had like wheelbarrows of sugar, uh, putting it on stage. You know, emptying wheelbarrows on the stage and then saying like, "This is how much sugar the average." You know, people always say like, you know, Americans, but it's no different than any other country in the world. No, you the know? Americans just seem to be pretty good at documenting it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I remember when, when I was a kid going to Florida well, t- over 25 years ago now. Um, and everyone always says they, they've noticed oh, how, how much bigger the Americans are. And this, the, you know, 25 years ago, that was very different in the UK. But the, I mean, you know yourself, uh, just from walking down the street, there's an obesity epidemic in this country and there has been for quite some years now. So mm. it's not just America, it's everywhere now. And that's sadly... Mm-mm-mm. I think the one thing that the Americans do, like that they do consume too much of, is the oligo uh, oligo uh, fructose syrup or the high corn fructose syrup, which which isn't approved in this country. And uh, unfortunately, with fructose syrup, it there's no chemical there's no chemical in our blood that recognises when fructose is absorbed. So it basically means that you can just carry on eating fructose until you are physically sick. Like you would, you would just, your brain doesn't recognize it and therefore there's no off switch to stop you from eating it. And that's really where, where the Americans unfortunately fall down is that they produce a lot of corn fructose syrup. Yeah, it's, um, it's very similar with a lot of other chemicals and additives that are added to foods all over the world. Your brain doesn't know when you're full or satiated, you know, so it can't switch off. Like, you know, you, you hear some people talk about how they can't switch off the need to constantly eat and they just don't know when they're full. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that happens with a lot of the chemicals that are added to processed food. It really interferes with your how your, your, your body and your nervous system works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good mm-hmm. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we could talk about this stuff all day. I mean, I could go down this because I, re- I find nutrition and diet absolutely fascinating. However, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm aware that we, we've got a limited volume of time. Uh, otherwise, we would just go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> absolutely. So, so, look, okay. So, we've obviously covered a lot of information, loads of topics. Uh, you know, there's loads of information, but... The, this can be quite scary for someone listening by and going, well, where, where do I actually start? Like what, what can I do today? What could I do today that I could potentially implement in my life that would, would help me start to move, think, uh, or eat better. That's a good question. Uh, would it be okay to give some gifts to your, to your listeners, Patrick? Yeah, by all means, by all stretch. Cool. So I've, I've got a, a free mini course. Well, I'll certainly give your, your guys and gals uh, some free access to it. Created quite recently, which is very apt for the, 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 the time of we, we find ourselves in now with this COVID-19 crisis going on. Mm-hmm. The course is called How to Go from Stress to Peace in Five Simple Steps. Now, if your listeners reach out to me, just send me an email to, to my email, danny at dannyscarhill.com I can then send them a link to have free access to that course and that it's a mini course that takes them through um, some some really simple easily actionable items how to eat move and think on purpose mm-hmm. better than they currently are and a few mm-hmm. exercises that can it be 
can easily implement themselves. Amazing, amazing. So what we'll what we'll definitely do, what we'll definitely do so that people can uh obviously see that and remember that, what we'll do is we'll put Danny's details in the description below so that people can obviously find that a little bit easier because I, I know that uh your name's not necessarily the easiest to uh to to, to remember on how to spell. Uh, <laughs> it's a very unique name. So uh we'll put that in the description below so that you can reach out and ask Danny any questions because again, like you know, this is this is the great thing about chiropractors uh and, and really generally health practitioners and people that are really serious about helping uh the health of their community. Nothing's nothing's too big or small. Nothing's too big or small. And, you know, the thing is, is that we love, we love to give. We love to give back to our communities. Uh, you know, you'll see tons of chiropractors producing free content and information so that people can start, they can start that journey. And then we want to basically hold people's hand the whole way through that. So, you know, that's a really generous thing for you to do, Danny. You're most welcome, mate. Absolutely, absolutely. So I've got a couple of extra questions that we're just going to run through. Uh, and I, I call this one the Terminator question. I call this the Terminator question. So okay. I love this question because uh, you, you see there's such a contrast. Some people turn around and go, oh, actually, no, I, you know, I wouldn't change anything. And some people go, oh, actually, do you know what? I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. So it'd be really interesting to see. So if you could go back to yourself when you were back at chiropractic osteopathy school, uh, uh, what would you tell yourself? What would you tell yourself then so that you could learn, you could maybe learn something that you'd done from the future that you could implement earlier? Or what would you go back and ask yourself and say, look, don't do this or you should change this before you, uh, before you run into this wall? That's a great question. That's quite a big question. Massive question, um, right? <laughs> yeah, well, which is I'm sure, I'm sure is the idea, yeah. Um, so I think one of the biggest things I would have implemented, so I go back to 2001, that's when I started chiropractic school. Um, I would have learned how to meditate then as opposed to waiting um, nine years later, I think it was. Yeah, 2010, I learned to meditate. Right. And the reason why is because you know, years ago when I was in chiropractic college and also as a new grad, I'd go to loads of chiropractic seminars, as, as we both do. Um, and, and have done and still do. Um, I'd see lots of successful people speaking on stage and not just in the chiropractic niche, you know, things like personal development and wealth creation and various things of that nature. All of those things I'm really interested in. A lot of the people, almost without exception, I've seen all of these successful people all meditating. I thought that's very interesting. So I wanted to learn how to meditate for quite some time, but I didn't actually learn until 2010. And people say to me, well, what do you get from meditation? And in the beginning, it was quite like, well, I don't know, but I'm getting something and it's better. And then after a year or two, I, I noticed, okay, actually probably less than that, but give or take. I noticed massive increases in productivity huge improvements in focus. I'm a pretty chilled guy anyway, generally speaking, but just so much more calm and relaxed. Mm. And when I was a teenager, which most people don't know about me because they don't really speak about it, when I was a teenager, kind of GCSE time and A-level time, I was quite an anxious person then. And I had like uh, some issues with depression and stuff like that. 
Uh, with meditation, once I started meditation, I noticed that I didn't, I wasn't susceptible to the anxiety or the depression that I had when I was a teenager anymore. So um, that's what I would have said if I went back to the 2001 when I started chiropractic school. Because as you know, chiropractic school is pretty intense. It's like the volume of work is relentless. So it can be very stressful at times. Uh, so meditation would have helped me hugely then as it has done since I began in 2010. Yeah, see, I, I, got, I got introduced to meditation by one of my mentors. Uh, I was working in a clinic in, uh, in Hove in Brighton and um, Rob Sanford and Melissa Sanford bought the practice whilst I was working there. And Rob basically put me onto it and he was always given meditation uh, by Mark Hudson. Mark Hudson yeah. and uh, is it Lynn? Yes. And uh, so Lynn basically introduced Rob to it and he, he introduced me to it. And ironically, I didn't tell him this, but him putting me onto that was the reason why I left. Oh, really? Mm. So him putting me onto the meditation, I started and I read a book. I forget what the name of the book was, uh, The Surrender Experiment. It's called The Surrender okay. Experiment. And this gentleman in the book wanted to just meditate and kind of let everything, he, all he wanted to do was meditate. And ironically, all of these things started happening and it kept attracting things into his life that he didn't, he didn't want, but he felt, because he said, he said to himself, look, I'm going to just, just surrender to whatever anybody says to me. And, uh, and, and he, he followed this thing and he ended up running a multi-billion pound business in computer softwareing. And then he built it. Yeah. He just kept getting all these people were attracted to him. And it's, the same thing happened to me. Same thing happened to me. I started meditating and all of a sudden someone walked up to me. Uh, it, was, it was a practice that I'd previously worked in and they just, they offered me to take over the practice. And he said, do you want to take over this practice? And I said, I've never done it before, but yeah, why not? Uh, and actually it turns out I tripled the, the number of chiropractic patients going through the door in the first year. So it was, a, it was but again, I can, I can highlight a very similar experience that, you know, you don't realize what you're capable of until you actually explore inside. It's in, it's in there. You just got to find it. hundred <laughs> percent, mate. I mean, they've said for many years, haven't they? Most human beings use less than 10% of their brain's capacity. So we can all achieve so much more than we currently are. hundred percent. And you'll find this massively with stuff like the top athletes as well. All of them use guided visualization. I can think of some really good examples, like Johnny, Wil uh, Johnny Wilkinson, uh, drop kicker yeah, for yeah. the UK. Uh, he, he, used to, he used to visualize over and over and over again the ball going over the posts. And he, just used, he, he also had an insane level of practice and focus because he used to sit on the corner and he had to make at least 10 kicks where he hit the post from the corner. Uh, so he had one of those incredible, but he used a lot of guided visualization. And a lot of athletes who use guided visualization see themselves crossing the finish line first and you can massively change things. So interesting, good stuff. So uh, I've, got a couple, I've got one last question for you, but what I want to give you the chance for first is if people obviously wanted to reach out to you, can you just give us those details one more time? Maybe give us a, a little bit of more information about your practice, where your practice is located. Because we, you know, obviously we're in Sussex. Uh, there may be people like in our area that obviously have family in your area. Maybe someone wants uh, wants a chiropractor close to home. Maybe you can tell maybe you can tell them a little bit about yourself, how they can get in contact with you, and just repeat your email one more time. 
Yeah, of course. Yeah. So in terms of the chiropractic practice, um, that is chiropractorcrawley.com. Um, and you could contact us via that. There's loads of ways to reach out to us on that website. My personal brand website, which is separate to the chiropractic practice I mentioned earlier on, that's dannyscarhill.com. And that surname is spelled Sierra Charlie Alpha Hotel India Lima Lima. Uh, so dannyscarhill.com. Uh, the email address, which will come straight through to me, danny at dannyscarhill.com. Uh, if you want to reach out and ask me a question or, you know, happy to, happy to help. And your book's on Amazon as well, I assume. It is. Yeah. 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 So if you want to get the, the, the total body, uh, what was it called one more time? Total transfer, health transformation. Health transformation. Yeah. I can actually do that book for free. You just pay for shipping. So you, you can actually, you can buy it on Amazon if you want, but it's 20 quid on Amazon. Uh, it'll be a, bit, be a lot less if you just reach out to me and I could do it just for shipping. I'll tell you how to do that. Amazing. So look, there you go. There's an offer that you can't refuse, guys. There's an offer that you can't refuse. <laughs> Free books. Learn more. <laughs> Absolutely. Every okay. day is a school day, isn't it? You got it. You got it. So look, last question I wanted to ask you. Uh, so have you got a mantra or a parting words of wisdom that you can give to our listeners or, you know, like a quote that you like to live your life by? I do. Uh, there's, there's, there's a, there's a couple. I'll, is it okay if I swear on this show, Patrick? Yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> okay. So I use one that I created, uh, over 10 years ago now, which I, I think having the swear word in it for me at least gives it more emphasis and that is perseverance with purpose is fucking unstoppable. Um, that has always been a mantra of mine. You obviously don't need to swear, but for me, it really gives it more emphasis. So you can take the swear word out <laughs> if you want. Uh, that's, that's one I really like, uh, and that's dear to my heart, because I, I wrote that myself. Um, <laughs> Makes it better. <laughs> Original. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, Danny Scarhill, 2009, that one. <laughs> um, so one of the other ones, which a mentor of mine taught me many years ago, which I love, and I still live by, my, uh, still live by today, uh, fail often, fail fast, and fail cheap. Really, really important for me and, and can be very important for anybody that uses it. Amazing. Hey, look. Please have fun with Danny. I know I have. <laughs> It's been really fun. Thank you. Oh, look, absolutely my pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure. Like I say, I get so much out of this as well. We obviously had a little chat before we started the show. And, uh, you know, we, we learn as much as, uh, as our patients do off of doing these calls. And, you know, it's part of our, it's part of our training to obviously connect and learn with others. Uh, but it's obviously so nice to see uh, so many people in the profession, you know, willing to give, willing to give back to our communities and willing to give to our patients and not just giving to their patients. They're willing to go and give to other people's patients as well, uh, which is, you know, like what more could we ask for from Danny is obviously offering, offering his free courses, offering his free book. Uh, you know, you can see just how giving this guy is, which is great. It's really nice to see. Thank you. Appreciate you asking me on the show, mate. Absolutely been my pleasure. It's been absolutely my pleasure. So look, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming and jumping on with us today. Uh, we're going to leave that there for today. So thank you for listening again, guys. It's another episode of Coffee with the Chiropractor with your host, Patrick Hogg. Thank you so much for joining us today, Danny. No worries, mate. Thank you.
You've been listening to the THT podcast with myself, Dr. Danny Scarhill. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, or any one of the other outlets where we stream. Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash total health transformation. You can also find more information about myself on my website, dannyscarhill.com. We'll you find lots of fantastic information and some free products for you as well. Look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Take care. All the best. You've been listening to Dr. Danny Scarhill on the Total Health Transformation Podcast, helping you to eat, move and think on purpose. See you on our next episode.